0: What is up, Learn Lead fam? Welcome to another Learn Lead Thursday. We're going to try a different dynamic here where Landon and I, unfortunately, sometimes we spend too much time talking in the beginning of these episodes and we want to just get right into it to make the focus on our guests. And so we're going to hop right into it, just give a little bit of information about our guests. And at the end, if you want to listen, we'll be able to do a recap of the episode and just kind of build rapport more with the audience and have some entertainment side so with that being said we had an amazing guest today john elmore he is a basketball player overseas we went to high school with him it was an amazing conversation he actually just had a child so congratulations john if you're listening to this uh landon you got anything else to talk about about this one
1: Tony and I met John back in the day in high school. We stayed in touch. It's been awesome to see his career
0: blossom. And he's had some great words of wisdom and a great story to tell. Kid's an absolute stud. He's going to be in the NBA one day. I promise that. I'm manifesting it for sure. So congratulations again, John. Hope you guys love this dynamic now. And please like and subscribe. All right, we got a little high school reunion here. Been waiting for this one for a while, ever since the Harris House days. Knew I'd be interviewing John on some platform one day. We got John Elmore here. He's a professional basketball player. We went to high school with him. Absolute stud. How we doing, John? I'm good,
2: man. Thank you all for having me. What's up, man? What's going on in your world right now? Uh, a lot of training, dude. Um with just with everything going on in covid uh the overseas professional basketball market has been up and down uh, tough situation right now i'm about to have a baby girl um seven day countdown we've got a little dry race board hanging up so a lot of stuff going on man so i want our guests to kind of
1: get a feel for the background how we all met you mind telling everybody how how we became to know each other i guess uh back in 2013 and 14
2: yeah um y'all were my guys back in the day, right down the hall. Um, we got in a little bit of trouble goofing around a little bit, but uh, we all went to prep school together in North Carolina, Christ school, um, all boys boarding school, great um, great sports, great uh, great education system, great basketball team. I know y'all there were there for sports as well. Um, great education the lack of girls was kind of tough but uh we had a good time man it was it was uh we have some stories to tell for sure
0: absolutely and <laughs> more than enough stories to tell <laughs> probably not suitable for this podcast to be honest <laughs> uh what actually led you to go to Christ school what who anyone prospect you to go over there
2: you know um just living in a small town in west virginia uh doing my research on Christ school uh the basketball program was kind of legendary at the time uh, and i was hoping to get a little bit more exposure and get recruited at a little higher level than I was. Uh, I ended up going to Christ School, um, and that kind of put me on the national scale a little bit with basketball, and uh, it was a great move for me.
0: Yeah, for, I mean, for those of you that don't know about Christ School and the high school that we went to, it was like a little bubble that of insanely good sports. I mean, the, the basketball program was obviously what it was notorious for. You had the Plumley brothers that went there. State champion after state championship, you got the Duke, the North Carolina coaches coming to to see players, and then we had the privilege to be able to see John perform at such a high level. And uh, so I know we're with you for one year. You're playing, I think, half the year. The next year, what uh, what caused you to leave and go over to another school?
2: You know, it was um, it was a tough situation. Uh, you know, I felt like I felt like I got stagnant. Like, um, I just my commitment level. I uh, wasn't really having fun with the game anymore. Um, you know, I had good grades and classes were fun. And some of my best friends went there. Uh, we were all we were all pretty close. And I guess I mean you have to be just because you live with them every day. Um, there's no girls. There's no outside distractions. So those are your brothers there. And I think that um, the relationships that you formed there were kind of cool. I mean, I still talk to some of those dudes today. But you know, basketball wise, um, it was it was tough because I wasn't having fun anymore. I wasn't playing well. Um, my work ethic just fell apart. I, I didn't have the passion for it. So um, just talking to my family, I decided it was time to make a change. I uh, ended up going home to my local school and just had a great senior year. So I was really glad I did that because uh, as you all know, when you're doing something and you're doing something that often and you're not enjoying it, uh, that's, when the, that's when it gets tough. So having that change, making that decision to go home was, was huge for me.
1: And can you talk about that transition? So what was your recruiting experience like in that senior year and, and where you started out in college and then where you ended up?
2: So I ended up, uh, I finished with, I want to say, 28 Division I offers. Um, and that was all over the country, from all schools, bigger schools, uh, a few Ivy League schools. So uh, that process was, it was tough because you're dealing, it's basically like people are selling you a car. Uh, everybody has the best car. Everybody's got the newest car. Um, what their car can do for you. So you're hearing pitches from 28 to 50 Division One coaches telling you why you need to come to their school. Uh, I ended up going to Virginia Military Institute, a small Division One school. Uh, my brother was there on scholarship. My dad played there. He's in the Hall of Fame there. Um, ended up transferring. But, I mean, that whole process is tough, and it's overwhelming for a lot of kids because – the grass here is greener than the other schools why this system fits you better than the other schools so um you've got all these adults lobbying to this 17 18 year old kid about making a huge decision for the next four years so i was lucky to have my family a part of the process uh, my dad played division one college basketball my mom's a successful uh, attorney in west virginia so just having them to uh play devil's advocate and help me as much as they could during the process was huge for me. Uh, My brother was playing division one basketball as well at the time. So uh, I'd say my family support system is one of the biggest things that uh, allowed me to have a lot of my success and make some of the right decisions uh, along the road. So what led to the decision for Marshall? You know, uh, I was at VMI my freshman year. Um, My dad played there. He was in the hall of fame there. My brother was there on scholarship. And crazy story, actually, my grandfather, who was a huge part of my life, um, played Division One basketball. Uh, We'd lived with him, would stay with him on some of the weekends. Uh, He got really sick and we were both at VMI. Uh, Paralysis had been began to set in and he couldn't move or function. So you're talking about this dude that was, I mean, a huge figure in my life, um, huge figure in my brother's life that couldn't do anything anymore. I mean, you're looking at a guy that you've looked up to and idolized your whole life and he's having trouble trying to eat, having trouble trying to move. um, Can't get comfortable in his house. So we ended up leaving school and moving in with him for a little bit, uh, helping take care of him. Uh, And that was just, that was a really tough process because it's somebody that you've looked up to and it's just um, really struggling to live and it's not fun anymore. So after a few months of that, uh, I decided it was time to get back into school. Uh, Marshall was the closest Division One school to me, 45 minutes from my house. And Dan D'Antoni, Mike D'Antoni's young older brother, uh, Mike D'Antoni, the coach of the Rockets, used to coach the Lakers. Uh, his, they, they both played at Marshall, and Dan D'Antoni got the job. I never met him, um, and a few of my friends called him. Uh, he wasn't allowed to call me, so I had no conversations with him before I enrolled at Marshall. I enrolled at Marshall the first day. He agreed to meet with me. Um, so we're talking January 12th, first day of the semester. I'll walk in the head coach's office. We have a meeting. Uh, I'm telling him about my situation. And he's like, well, um, he's like, I haven't seen much film. I don't really know you, but here's a practice jersey. We practice at 2.30 and we'll see what you got. So he kind of gave me like an open tryout. And uh, the rest was kind of history after that. So
1: out the gate, did you have to walk on or was he like, We need this kid on scholarship right away? Or did you have to earn that I had to time? walk
2: on, dude. So I was a walk on, um, had to pay tuition my first year of college basketball. There was this was the year I was sitting out, so it was kinda like my redshirt year, but no, I had to pay tuition and kinda earn my spot. I went on scholarship the next year. But uh I mean it was he kinda like just threw me out an opportunity, um, to see what I had, see if it was gonna work out and Uh, I'm glad he did because it ended up working out pretty well.
1: Absolutely. And and you fast forward a couple of years and you guys are in the NCAA tournament making a lot of noise. Can you talk about your college career, what that was like? If you, if you Google John Elmore on, on the internet, you're going to see that you averaged around 20 points a game is that, I don't know if it was more or less than that. That's what I saw on ESPN. I know their stats can sometimes be hit or miss there, but you, you had a successful career in college. Can you just talk about what that was like and, 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 and lead into the tournament and that, that experience as a whole? You know,
2: it was, uh, it was something I had to build on because, uh, you know, coming out of high school, I thought I was, good um and then you get in college and it's a whole nother step uh i had to take my game to a new level and that involved a lot of work and that was that was the biggest thing i learned uh in my time at marshall is if you really want to be great at something how much time you have to put in uh they always say everybody's heard the famous quote you can't cheat the grind and uh that found out that that's one of my favorite quotes because you really do get in what you or you get out what you put in so uh every day was a grind i went to work and it was something I wanted to do. It was something I had fun with was I always, you know, crazy as it sounds, I almost enjoy putting in the work more than the season, more than the games. Uh, so the off season is my favorite time because it gives me a chance to go back to the drawing board, get back in the weight room, get back on the practice court, and just practice. And I, a lot of people think I'm crazy, but I mean that's 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 where my passion is, and that's why I love it. Um, so college wise, um, freshman year freshman year, I want to say average 15 a game um, was solid. Second year, average 19. Third year, 22. Uh, the last year, 20. But it was a thing that, um, it was a lot of bumps in the road because as a player and as a guy that uh, scores a lot like I do, um, if your confidence confident, confidence in there all the time, it's tough. So there was a lot of mental battles. Um, but, you know, I, I learned to fight through it. I learned to have that short-term memory, and just if you miss a shot, next one's going in. Uh, the next three are going in. I don't care if I miss 15 in a row, the 16th one's going in. So uh, that mentality really took off my junior year when we made the NCAA tournament um, at a small school. For some of you that don't know, um, only the only team that gets in at some small schools that gets into the NCAA tournament is the team that wins the conference championship. And uh, we made a run. We made it to the conference championship. We beat Western Kentucky uh, in a one-point game, 67-66. And they beat us two times during the year. Uh, I mean, just handled us twice during the year. So there's the famous saying, it's hard to beat a team three times. So we ended up beating them. uh, Dream come true, going to the NCAA tournament and uh, ended up winning a game. But uh, I was just really blessed to be in the position that I was in with the coaching staff and the teammates that I had.
0: I mean, I've always gotten to appreciate your like the swagger that you walk around with on the on the court. You know, it's not John's very deceptive the way he plays the game. He's not the the biggest guy, not the fastest guy. But then when it comes to the guy can shoot from fucking half court. It's incredible. His vision around the court's awesome. He's a natural born leader directing people where to go. Really smart. And that played into your overall game. So now let's fast forward here. Obviously, I mean, you have the the NCAA win. You got a lot of chatter about you. We're watching highlight videos. I'm 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 telling all my friends about you. Now, fast forward to the draft and your aspirations to play professionally. What happened after college?
2: You know, after college, I uh, I flew out to LA uh, after the season was over. Uh, My agent had me fly out to LA. (sighs) So I'm in I'm in Irvine, California, right outside LA, training, living in a house, rental car, bills paid, living my life. I'm like, dude, I made it. and little did I know. Then the draft workout started. I'm flying all over the country. Um, for those of you who don't know, the team flies you in, whatever team's looking at you. You work out with five other guys in a six-man group. Uh, you play three-on-three, one-on-one, full-court drills, shooting drills. So I'm going through the whole draft process, which is a dream come true. I'm in Miami working out. Eric Spolster's in the gym. Pat Riley's in the gym. Uh, I leave Miami. I fly to Indiana. I'm working out. Larry Bird's in the gym leave there. There's NBA guys are walking around. Uh, and I'm like, dude, this is the lifestyle. This is what I've wanted my whole life. So the draft process starts. Uh, I fly to Miami. I'm working out for the Heat. You've got Pat Riley and Eric Spolster courtside. Leave Miami. I go to Boston. You've got Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens there. Go to Indiana. You got Larry Bird. I'm in Sacramento. Vlade Divac there. Um, I'm in Denver. I'm in Phoenix. I'm literally flying all over the country, city to city, playing in these NBA gyms with NBA coaching staffs, NBA management there. Um, And just, I think I'm playing really well. Uh, So I'm fired up. All the work's paying off. And draft night comes and I don't get drafted. Uh, So talk about hitting a wall, talking about confidence shot.
1: Um, What are those workouts all like? Like what's... What's that entail? Like you said, 3v3. Are you guys – Are you? do you know the people you're playing against? Are these guys in the same boat yeah, as you? Yeah,
2: um, so you're talking about, I mean, dudes that are playing at Duke, dudes that are playing at Kentucky, uh, all over the country. I mean, all these guys that are on people's draft boards that are borderline guys that are going to get drafted are just two hours of going at it. I mean, you're talking about dudes from wherever. Anybody that's getting considered to play pro is getting these workouts because – it's a chance for the NBA offices to evaluate you. So, uh, I mean, you go into that workout and it's kill or be killed, three on three, one on one. um, Everybody's auditioning for millions of dollars every workout. So, I mean, to talk about guys are going hard is an um, understatement.
0: How optimistic were you
2: that you were going to get drafted? And if so, what were some of the teams that were really interested in you? You know, going into it, I didn't think I had a great chance of getting drafted. I thought the thing that would help me the most was getting into the gym with those guys and letting them see me up close. Uh, and I think it really helped because, you know, I don't know how highly they thought of me going in, but afterwards, uh, I think I definitely left an impression on several teams. So, yeah, so fast forward to
1: draft day and, and talk about those feelings.
2: Um, so draft day comes and, uh, I'm at the gym working out and I keep checking my phone like, dude, come on, somebody's got to call me. Somebody's got to call me. And, bang, draft ends, nobody calls me. So you're talking about something you've worked for your whole life. You've set that goal is, man, I want to get drafted to the NBA. And you don't hit that goal. And then it comes time, what's next? And I went to the gym and just put in more work. I was like, "If, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go out knowing that I gave everything I had. So um, draft agent came and went. I'm talking to my agent. We're trying to figure out the best route. Um, how do I get to the NBA? That's my goal. That's what I told him. I was like, Look, I think I'm an NBA player, but I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get there. So he ended up uh, I ended up playing summer league for the Celtics. They gave me a call, gave me a chance to play summer league. I didn't get in very much, which was kinda of frustrating, but you know, it was understood. Uh that's what they said coming in. They had already drafted two point guards, so that's the guys they were gonna feature. So Uh, It was another good opportunity and talking to my agent, just trying to find the best route to the NBA to give me a chance to play at that level, Um, playing professionally overseas, whether that's one year or five years, um, giving them a chance to see that I've developed in certain areas or I can help them win in certain areas as well. So uh, I'm on the overseas professional grind right now. And the goal is to one day get to the NBA. Hopefully that route pays off.
0: What do you think that, needed to change in your game for you to get to that next level
2: you know it's tough because I mean the NBA you're dealing with the best athletes in the world the best shooters in the world the best defenders in the world um you know I don't I think the biggest thing uh with me was just finding that consistency um you know some games I go for 30 and, but some games I go for 15 and miss a ton of shots or have have a ton of turnovers so just finding that consistent consistency and being able to bridge that gap. Um, Is something that I've been working on a lot. Uh, and I mean, the only way to do that is to work, work your ass off. So, uh, that's what I've been doing. And I think I'm getting more and more consistent and hopefully wherever I end up this year, I'll blow it out of the water and give my give myself a chance next year as well.
0: Yeah. Well said. And I know you were talking about how the overseas is a grind and you shed some light on that on your Twitter. I read a a Twitter feed that you were posting about how your coach had you guys working out in the morning, uh, doing all these workouts, and you had a game at night. Can you shed some light on that just to show our viewers how intense this thing really is?
2: Overseas basketball is like 1990s, 2000s basketball in the U.S. Um, It's physical. It's rough. They don't call fouls. Uh, The game is slow, pounded inside, foul each other. Um, It's tough, man, because Coming from the U.S., everybody wants to play fast and shoot threes, alley-oops, exciting basketball. So it's a whole different brand. Um, But to get into the little things to help people understand what overseas is about. Um, So my rookie year, I'm playing in Italy. Uh, Not very many people speak English. So... Factor that in. You can't have conversations with people. You go to the grocery store, you don't know what they're saying. Uh, I'm trying to check out in the self checkout, and the lights going off, and some lady's yelling at me in Italian that I need to do this and that, and I have no idea what's going on. So uh, that's just one of the little things that happens on a daily basis. But my head coach didn't speak a word of English, so I had no conversations with him. Some of my teammates spoke English, so that made things a little bit easier. But We have two practices a day. Uh, It'd be from like 9 to 11.30 and then 5 to 8. And, I mean, it just takes a toll on your body. You're putting that many hours in the gym. They have, I mean, the training there is just totally different uh, than the U.S. because the U.S. is so modern and science-based and everything. And there, if you're not playing hard, it's because you're not playing hard enough. And if they're beating you, it's because you're not hitting them hard enough. So uh totally different way of going about things in the overseas professional basketball lifestyle. And, you know, it varies depending on what country you're in or what team you're with. But uh, my rookie year was definitely a learning experience. And, and like you said, it was uh, a grind as a grind is an understatement.
1: What part of Italy were you in and where do you see uh, your career going? Are you going to be going back to Italy? Or are you going back to another country? What's the What's the plan and, and what part of Italy did you start at? So I was
2: in Trieste, Italy, which is like in the northeastern most part, right beside Slovenia uh, for anybody that's a geographical guru. Um, Italy is a beautiful country. I was right on the beach, right on the water. Um, It was like a two minute walk and I was in the water. So uh, a beautiful place to live. I was there the first half of the year and then I ended up moving to Sicily. Uh, where my apartment was literally on the water, on the beach. Uh, you could walk out my back door and be on the beach. So um, that was one of the best things about living overseas this year, which is how beautiful the history behind it. And, uh, I mean, I'm living on a beach getting paid to play basketball. So uh, it's not too bad at the end of the day.
1: Any recommendations on, on some things to do for anyone going out there? That oh, way?
2: Ro- you got to go to Rome. Uh, everybody knows about Rome. Uh, Venice, Florence um Sicily i mean just the architecture and the history and the pizza and the spaghetti and the pasta uh great great trip if you get a little bit of free time so
0: excited to continue watching your journey we've been watching and i hope everyone else continues to see the amazing display that you're putting on on the court i know we had the uh there was like the tournament i know we uh, it's unfortunate we didn't get to shed some light on that there was the the tournament that just happened for the million bucks what, what was that called again? The the basketball
2: tournament. Winner gets all $1 million single elimination tournament.
0: I mean, dude, you balled out. You balled <laughs>
2: out. We had, we had Dwayne Wade tweeting about this guy. And
0: so I think with the proper exposure and you just continue staying consistent, you're going to get your shot. And I'm excited to see you on the NBA court one day. And so do you mind uh, just giving our followers your some handles that they can follow you at so that we can continue following your journey?
2: Yeah, you can check out my Twitter, uh Elmore 33 E L M O R E three three. Uh tweet every now and then, but uh I'll keep you updated. And then my Instagram at JBE underscore three three. Uh got some pretty good content on Instagram as well. So this
1: this podcast is the Learn Lead podcast, right? So towards the wrap-up time on these, we like to tee off our guests, tee up our guests to kind of Leave a, a last remark of words of wisdom or, you know, whatever it is that you think is either one motivating or two, the the ultimate takeaway. we there's obviously a lot we can all take away from you and your life and your persistency and your and your the goals that you have accomplished and the goals that you've already set for yourself. So, um anything that you want to leave our guests with for one and then for two, how can our guests follow your journey?
2: No, I'd say the biggest thing that I'd like to leave the listeners with is just um once you find that what you're passionate about. Um, that's when you really got to go all in. Uh, I'm passionate about playing professional basketball and trying to play in the NBA. And that was when, when I made that decision, that's when the, sl- the, sl- the switch flipped. And uh, I kind of look at it as building a house. Uh, every day I go in to build my house, whether that long time ago I laid the foundation, but now... I'm playing professional basketball so I got a nice house but there's still a lot of work to be done whether that's adding new rooms whether that's uh furnishing stuff and every day I've got to go to the gym like I'm just starting out and go back to the drawing board and get better so uh I always look at it like I'm building a house and I'm never satisfied with my house everybody wants a bigger house right so um find what you're passionate about and fight fight every day because you're going to hit a wall uh, people are going to tell you you can't do something That's when you got to keep going. So uh, don't be satisfied. It's going to be a lot of bumps in the journey, but keep fighting. Awesome, man. Well, you're an
0: absolute stud. Really excited to, like I said, continue following your journey. Was really looking forward to this interview for a while and so happy that we connected. And best of luck, man, with the baby, with everything going on. Really excited for you. And stay healthy. Stay well. Keep on grinding, man.
2: Appreciate y'all having me, man.
0: Have a good one. a great interview, man. I, I really love just being able to reconnect with John. That was my first time talking to him in a while. I've been following his career for a while, but being able to talk to him and just shoot the shit—it made me feel like I was back at Christ School again.
1: The last time I saw John was his junior year of high school, and he was going through a tough time. You know, I don't think basketball was going how he wanted it to at, at you know the current school that we were all at. And I knew he took you know he took a leap of faith, tran- transferring to another school, and then he went through some more adversity. Um, then I know he went to, you know, he, he had multiple Division one offers, as everyone just listened to. But he's been through a lot, and he's he, he, the thing that hasn't changed through everything he's been through is just his hard work and his perseverance.
0: Yeah, I couldn't say better. His work ethic is... To- second to none it's incredible the way this kid grinds you always see him even when we were known him for such a brief amount of time he just got after him in day after day after day and I kept hearing so many things like you got to see John on the court and I just like you're looking at him and no offense to him he's a great guy a freaking amazing athlete looking at him you're like there's no way this kid's an absolute beast of basketball and then he just schools everyone plays amazing defense no matter who's guarding him he is just shooting from anywhere on the floor it's incredible to watch this kid do what he does
1: yeah, and, and it's funny because like you see him on camera, and you know I would probably guess without knowing him, he's probably like six one, six foot. You go see him in person, he's actually like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, he's not a short kid. Uh, he's not a short guy out there. He, and he goes out there in March Madness. Some of his highlights, if you look up John Elmore, March Madness highlights, I forget the team they were playing. Uh, it VCU. may have been like VCU. Was it VCU? Uh, he just absolutely went off. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely he's, went off.
0: He's a crazy good leader. The the way he could pass the ball, his vision is just next level. And it's kind of cool. We in the book club, we just read Mamba Mentality, and he's got some of that in him. And he's next level for sure. And I'm once again, if you're listening to this, John, congratulations on the child. That's such a big step in your life and super excited to uh just continue building a relationship with you.
1: Two weekends in a row you came down to visit me. I think you're you're about sick of me.
0: Tony V delivers. You got me calling myself Tony, which is a problem. <laughs> but used to I, I hate that the name. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting used to it. It's a quick, quick and easy way to say Antonio. You know, if people if people going to start calling me Antonio instead of Anthony, I'd rather be called Tony. You know, it's just a quick nickname. And yeah, dude, don't don't thank me because I'm just super grateful that you allow me to come down two weekends in a row. It's just needed to get away. We we just have such a great dynamic together.
1: Got a got a nice little round of golfing before the you know the, the hurricane showed up.
0: Oh, dude! Yeah. It's I'm actually going again uh, today. I'm really excited for that because, like you said, there's those shots that that'll keep you going. You know, the, you hit one or two shots that'll just keep you coming back. And for anyone listening to this, you guys have no idea how bad I was at golf. How ba- I'm still bad. If I'm, wrong. I'm still shooting in the the 100s, but I could not even. It was unfathomable. It wasn't even fun going with people because it's just like. You're gonna lose fifty golf balls around. It's not even fun. I would just quit midway through. And it's uh, now I'm excited to to really keep on building a craft. Like I always tell Lynn, I have now a base to work with.
1: My boss always says, you know, it's golf. You spend about an hour hitting the ball out there playing 18, and about three to four hours in between the ears. It's a mental game. You have to constantly ask yourself, what can I learn? What can I? What did I do there that could that I could help change to move the ball forward? Because the reality is, if you really think about the game of golf, if if you were able to play an absolute perfect game, I mean, people think scratch golf is a perfect game, but the reality is, the goal is to get the ball in the hole. You'd have to hit the ball off the tee and it go in the hole every single time, but that's never going to happen. So everyone is constantly pursuing their their version of perfection. You know, their best version of perfection.
0: You know, so that's like kind of that, cool to man. think about it that way. No, that's I mean, that's a great analogy. I never even thought about it that way. It's just, what is your perfection? A lot of times we get so skewed up in this whole social media world of things where we're trying to chase quote unquote success or quote unquote perfection, but that's defined differently from everyone else. You know, what's, what's your own personal version of success? And it's tough to, to quantify that. It's tough to write that down, but it's well worth searching for. I got a sticky note of the day for you. Oh, shoot me with it. So I'll. I'll
1: this is a long one. This is about as long as the one that you said that last week or the, day or the week before, uh, but it's something I've had written on my whiteboard now for the last month and a half or so. I've had some pretty tough exams from work, about 100 plus hours of study time each to, to get them done. And uh, I don't know, I, I look up and see it and read it every once in a while. It's kind of nice to remind myself, but it's by Andrew Carnegie. There is a power under your control that is greater than poverty, greater than the lack of education greater than all of your fears and superstitions combined. It is the power to take possession of your own mind and direct it to whatever ends you may desire. And again, that's Andrew Carnegie.
0: We're going to go Tony Robbins here, because I was just talking about success and how you could personally define it. And he says, the path to success is to take massive, determined action. And that's the big thing. Even if you don't know what you want to do, take action, take action, fail, fuck up, excuse my language, screw up and fail again, reassess, keep failing. And eventually you're going to find a way to succeed.
1: Well, it's like the reality is we go to school our whole lives and we learn about all this stuff in books and we take all these tests, but we're never really going to know and have that true knowledge and depth behind industries and behind whatever path we take until we have that hands-on experience until we get tossed in the ocean. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. It's like with everything, so even our industry, you can go pass all these exams and have all the letters after your name, the alphabet soup after your name, and you can go, you know, get your PhD in finance and do whatever you want to do. But the reality is, there's no substitute for hopping in the water and going for a swim and, and getting
0: the feel for the waters and actually learning by, you know, by action. Absolutely, you're not going to start to realize the gravity of what you're doing until you continuously get told no, and then you'll start to figure out who you are.
2: You know what I'm Absolutely. saying? Until you, you, yeah. you
0: constantly get confronted with failure and people that don't want to talk to you. And you, a lot of people, it's so easy to just get in the headspace of, ah, this isn't for me. You know, let's let's see what you're really made of when your back's up against the wall. And I feel like the analogy gets so thrown into sports because there's an actual physical activity to it. But our job is so mentally tasking because it's just constant battles of, I don't want to make this phone call because I don't want to get rejected, you know? But now it's just like, you know what? This is bigger than me. We're out here protecting families, making sure people retire comfortably. So it's more important than us and they, they need us. So if we could really just hone in on that perspective, it's, it gives you a much easier way to continue to do the activity that you don't want to do.
1: Not only do you learn a lot about yourself and you do learn more than anything, you learn a lot about yourself, but you learn a lot about other people just in yeah. how they respond to things. And it's amazing how, you know, I mean, and it's, it, I understand why the, why the guards are up for a lot of people because a lot of the folks before us in the nineties and eighties and and on in the early years in the finance world were not highly regulated and didn't, you know, were not, they weren't monitored, uh, so they were kind of allowed to freelance and do what they wanted. And unfortunately, some of the some unethical practices were a result of that. The world we live in now is kind of the aftermath and the result of those unethical practices. Those unethical practices are not, they're they're almost un, inconceivable on in our in our world because of all the regulation and things that we have to go through for compliance and everything like that. But the point I'm making is. Because of all that bullshit going on in the past, it's created this, this, this unconscious guard everybody has up. And it's not that, it's not that everybody does, but I, I guess that what I mean to say is a lot of people initially do because they're in protection mode. They're trying to protect themselves. The reality is that I've learned about other people is that there's a lot of things out in the world that they actually need they don't realize they need. And the battle is, is getting to a place where you can help them see that they need these things and they've been living without them. And the reality is they're, they're much better off and much more secure, much more safe having them in their life and having me in their life,
0: right? I mean, shit, it's a relationship. I think a big thing is like my, one of my favorite clients, some of my favorite clients are people that are just like, hey, I trust you, do your thing. You know, it's a, like you always say, you know, some people want to know how the watch was made. Some people want to know what time it is. I like the people that want to know what time it is because they trust me to do my job the battle that we face
1: is kind of facing the aftermath of distrust in, in the public and in, in the finance world. And once people get to know you and get to know and understand where you come from and where you're, and what you're, what's important to you as a, as an advisor, as a practitioner in your career, it really doesn't, it becomes, you know, you're selling yourself more than anything. That's what I always tell people. Like I have nothing to sell you. I'm just sitting here selling you the a relationship with me. It's really all it comes down to because there's not a tool in the toolbox that we can't pull out and, and to help fix a problem and find a solution. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, for sure. and I can't thank you enough for allowing me in to pick your brain and to see your processes the way you go through things because I just enjoy, you know, you sit down, you have a budget session, people talk about their finances and their existing financial plan and then figure out ways to help them achieve their goals. You're really making an impact. And especially when they realize like half of the shit that you're helping them with, you're not really making money from. You're just providing constant value. I think that's a huge thing that I just love – Like my a big mission of mine is to allow people not to succumb to the mediocrity in the world and realize like you can be wealthy if you want to. It's just all about if you want to do it, Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: we have to serve as the best examples possible for that. I just take the financial planning perspective. It's it's not I'm not selling
1: products. I'm using financial planning and doing financial planning with folks, and there are certain products out there that help them accomplish their goals, right? And I mean that's just the cliche you know, thing that we hear in our world, but it's true. I mean, like insurance and investments are two t- vehicles and, and, and two types of tools that you can use to, you know, get someone from point A to point B and protect somebody and do all those things and help grow their wealth and do all these things. But that's only, those are just pieces to the puzzle. It, there's a lot of other things that, that go into the,
0: you know, building a relationship and all like you're talking about. So it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a cool, it's a cool thing. Helping people with the the mindset around money as well is, is huge you know, just providing free value and teaching them that there's different things that cut spending habits, things like that, figuring out your why, your purpose, budgeting, those are all fun stuff that is uh, is all free value as well. So with that being said, I want to introduce the fact that in the coming weeks, we're going to start actually creating some small little segments about financial planning, about what we do to educate you guys on a surface level. If you want to dive deeper, please feel free to DM us on any platforms. If you know our numbers, go ahead. And we just want to continuously provide free value to stop the cycle of mediocrity so that we could all continuously translate this information to other people because it's, why not? Why not? Yeah. And and
1: I, I like this, I like this whole, I like these conversations at the end of the podcast versus in the beginning. I I don't, I know we said a little bit in the, in the beginning of the podcast in the intro kind of what what we wanted to do about this, but I I feel like people click in or listen to our show. It's like, all right, I, I know that, I know who these guys are. I understand it, but I really am here listening to the guests not, not here to listen to you guys. So maybe over time they'll, they'll obviously we'll build that rapport, but I like the idea of putting this stuff at the back end, allowing them to kind of digest the whole conversation, get locked into who we're interviewing. And then if they like to stay around and hear our story here, what we're all about, I think over time we'll get, we'll get the right people listening, through, you know, true and true front to front to back, you know?
0: Well said, well said. So we're going to keep this dynamic. I kind of like it as well. Just a recap of the episode, shooting the shit, me and you. Also, guys, be on the lookout for the High Life Sports Podcast. Landon and I hopped on there with Nikki C and Elm. That was a a really fun one. You, You could see a lot more personality on that one with a little less professionalism. I enjoyed that one a lot, and I'm excited to listen to that as well. He told me it should be dropping today. Not exactly sure. But with that being said, guys, really hope you guys enjoyed this podcast continue to follow John Elmore's journey. Please follow our journey as well. Like, and subscribe, tell a friend. We're more than happy to help you in whatever way possible.
2: Thanks for tuning in to the learn lead podcast where you get to own your life. Stay tuned for our future guest coming soon. Make sure to like, and subscribe.